Greetings, adventurers, and welcome to another episode of Vitamin D&D, your weekly dose of Dungeons & Dragons, just what the DM ordered. I'm your host, Patrick, and here with me today, as always, is my fellow co-host and party member, Brady. Hello. Hello. My, you're sounding lovely tonight. You as well, sir. You oh, as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for noticing. Um, as always, great. I'm just, I'm so excited for season two. We're on episode Me too. two. It's yes. so much, so much it's fun. So nice. So and you know, I, I guess you could say um, a special feat of ours is sounding better, which I'm uh, trying to segue into what we're talking about today, which is feats or feats. That's right. Not your, not the things at the end of your shins. Um, no. Not, not your feats. That's F E A. T-S. So, and what we're talking about is, you know, in addition to leveling up, like we talked about last episode, so sometimes whenever you level up um, at specific levels, you have an option um, to improve your ability scores. And uh, so whenever you reach level 4, level 8, 10, 12, 16, and 19, you can increase your ability scores by 2, uh, one ability score by 2, or two ability scores by one. But nobody wants to do that. Don't do that. Be cool. Sometimes it can be boring. Sometimes it's good. Maybe just it once. Place. Do it do, like once. Do it once. If you yeah. need to improve something that you're like, yeah. oh, kind of rolled crappy on or whatever, like yeah. bring it up a bit, but then do do the cool do what all the cool kids are doing. Do yeah. On. Take a feet, man. You know you want to. Yeah. Um got some <laughs> got some feats for sale here. Yeah. You got any more than feats? So, uh, and, you know, just talking about that ability score improvement, I can see why maybe take one of these ability score improvement chances. And um, especially if you've got two, um, two pivotal ability scores that are at odd numbers for the total, if you can bump those up to an even number, that will increase your modifier. And so... Um, just one thing to think about whenever you're looking your, at your ability scores and improving them. If you've got two ability scores that are, you know, very pivotal to your build, like my character that uh, we created, you know, dexterity and wisdom are my big things. And so if those are odd numbers, I can bump those up by, I can bump both those up by one um, and make it even, which gives me a higher modifier. But... Every other yeah, time. every little every little bump can help. Yes, big time. Um, so we're going to break this episode up into, or sorry, this subject of feats into two parts. That way we can... Um, we got a two-parter. <laughs> another two-parter. I know our last ones were such big hits. Um, <laughs> uh, just so we can give more justice and more time to each of these feats and not just kind of breeze over it, you know. Be like, yeah, so we're not flying yeah. through like, <laughs> okay, and that's it for today's episode. What you got to get some out of it? Uh, light, light armor, it's about light armor. Next, <laughs> medium armor, it's about it, medium, medium armor. Next, <laughs> so, um, so I kind of organized these in my head, these feats into four different categories. So defensively focused feats, which of which there are nine. Offensive fo- focused feats, tongue twister, offensive focused feats, I like this. Um, which, of which there are 11. And then magic focused feats, uh, there's six of those. And then 
there's a huge category, a huge group called, I like to call it the utility slash ability focused feats. So on this first part, we're going to be talking about the offensive and defensive uh, feats. So Brady, you want to get us started? Sure thing. All right. So in the defense focused feats that we're beginning with, um, we're going to kind of start with, I wouldn't call it basic, but you know, your light armored, and that's what it's called. It's just lightly armored. And basically that just gives you an increase to your strength or dexterity uh, score by one to a maximum of 20. So, you know, you can't go over 20 or, you know, you can go to it, but you can't go over 20. Um, and of course you gain proficiency with light armor. So that's going to be more for your quicker lighter builds, uh, maybe something, you know, like the rogues or something else um, that you're wanting to try and tweak your build to, to where maybe you can only wear medium armor, but you want to be higher dexterity and be able to wear light armor. Uh, this, this would be something you'd pick. Yeah. Um, and with all these armored ones, just kind of, you know, look at it and think about, you know, is this something that I want to spend a feat on? personally most of the like the light armor and moderately armored ones i guess i don't really think that they're super important but for some people for certain builds you might be like i wish i could wear light armor please so yeah because a a big thing to remember about these feats is you know you don't have to pick them you can just keep doing as we said with the get your improvement score which is fine and that's a good way to do it that's a good way to play it but this is a good way to further tweak and refine your character into more of a customized what you want and how you want to play. Uh, so just bear that in mind with, you know, sometimes you can use these to tweak an existing build or kind of tweak your build to how it's more how you want to play it. So just just bear that in mind. So there might be a couple of things where where you're... You know, like, well, I'll just do ability scores, but, oh, there's one or two feats that I want to take, and you take two feats, or you take all the feats except for two feats, whatever. So just <laughs> bear that in mind. You're just using this to help further customize and kind of focus in on that build that you want. Yeah, definitely. All right, so next one uh, I'm going to talk about is moderately armored. So just like lightly armored, um, it's going to increase your dexterity or strength score by one to a maximum of 20. And you gain proficiency with medium armor and shields. Um, So one thing you want to pay attention to, not all classes give you proficiency with shields. And so if you want to play a character that wields one, you need to have that proficiency or else you're going to be, you know, rolling with a disadvantage, you know, just like we talked about um, on whatever episode on season, (laughs) season one, probably our equipment episode. Um, And, uh, for moderately armored, the prerequisite. So, what you got to have before you can take this feat, you have to have proficiency with light armor. Yep, and that kind of rolls into our next one. Again, is this is more focusing on the armor, uh, but it's the medium armor master. So, the prerequisite for this is you do have to be proficient with medium armor. So, you do have to be able to use medium armor. Uh, but what this does is it uh, wearing medium armor doesn't impose disadvantage on your dexterity or your like stealth checks and stuff like that, which mm-hmm. can be, you know, come in handy. Um, and also when you wear medium armor, you can add three rather than two to your AC if you have a dexterity of 16 or higher. So this is just going to help some of those slightly more bulky 
kind of folks be able to try and be a little bit more sneaky, but still be able to have that uh, damage resistance. Yeah, because that was a big thing that I ran into um, with my rogue character was um, kind of there's a little hard news, you know, hard pill to swallow, knowing that I couldn't increase my AC, you know, to a certain point with just regular armor because it only would let you increase it by two. So having that one, it lets you add three instead. Next one we're going to talk about is heavily armored. Uh, the prerequisite for this one is having proficiency with medium armor. So for all these medium, light, and heavy armored, or I guess light, you don't need a prerequisite because that's the lowest level. Um, for medium and heavy, you have to have the previous level, so the next level down, um, proficiency with that. And heavily armored, just like the other ones, increases your strength score by one um, to a maximum of 20. So that's actually different from the medium and the light armor because you get the choice with those two of strength score by one, or strength or dexterity score by one to a maximum of 20. And you also gain proficiency with heavy armor. That's right. And rolling again into that, you can kind of see a little bit of a theme here with these armored ones, is the next one is going to be heavy armor master. So the pre prerequisite for this one again, is going to be proficiency with heavy armor. Uh, basically, all this does is it increases your strength score by 1 to a maximum of 20. Can Again, you can go up to, not over 20, unless you're doing homebrew stuff, but just rules is written, can't go over 20. And also, while you're wearing heavy armor, uh, bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage that you take from non-magical, there's a little keyword there, non-magical weapons is reduced by 3. So this would be for some of your, you know, bigger tank builds that just want to have, you know, as much resistance as they can and maybe buff their strength scores a little bit. Uh, you can take this and you'll get those those damage types reduced by three. And it doesn't sound like a lot, but sometimes in certain situations and battles, you know, one, two, or three points can make all the difference of uh, being knocked unconscious or, you know, staying on your feet. So, right. Um, every little bit counts. So next one we're going to talk about is defensive duelist. So we're done with all the armor talk, and now it's just uh, some defensive-minded um, feats. So defensive duelist, when you're wielding a finesse weapon with which you are proficient and another creature hits you with a melee attack, you can use your reaction to add your proficiency bonus to your AC, your armor class, for that attack, potentially causing the attack to miss you. So that's really... Really cool if you um, have super high proficiency bonus, like if you're using, say, a rapier, and you're using dexterity as your modifier. Um, or, sorry, if you're using, you add your proficiency bonus to your AC. So, especially at higher levels, that means you could potentially add six points to your AC. That could seriously almost like cause nothing to be able to hit you, potentially. So that could be, defensive duelist could be a super big um, feat at those higher levels. Yeah, and uh, another one that, this one, I wouldn't really call it OP, uh, but it's just a very potent um, feat I'd that say you can pick here. It's the, the bane of the Dungeon Master. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> there, there's a couple of these that we'll discuss that are that, that way, but... Uh, this one is kind of one of those things, but it's great for your party and for you. It's called Sentinel. And basically, um, 
one of the, you know, it does about three things. And one of the things is when you hit a creature with an, an op- opportunity attack, the creature's speed becomes zero for the rest of the turn. So whenever there's a creature that's maybe passing through and it's like on its way to attack another creature or another part of your party and it goes past you for an opportunity attack, if it gets an attack, if you get an attack off, then basically that creature just stops like right there. They don't yeah. get to move anymore, drops down to zero. So kind of freezes them in their tracks, which can be pretty helpful, especially if you're like a big tanky type person. Mm-hmm. So then the next thing it does is creatures within five feet of you provoke opportunity attacks from you, even if they take the disengage action before leaving your reach. So all the way back to season one, talking about the uh, the additional uh, additional actions and stuff you can take, disengage being if you take disengage, you don't draw opportunity attacks. But this negates that and makes it to where they still can't get away from you. And even when they do that, they're going to get hit with zero or their, their speed is going to be reduced to zero and they ain't going nowhere. (laughs) So then, uh, the last thing that it does, where are you going? Is when a nowhere, (laughs) nowhere. Um, so the last thing it does is when a creature within five feet of you makes an attack against a target other than you, and, uh, that target doesn't have this feat, you can use your reaction to make a melee weapon attack against the attacking creature. So basically you're not really like stepping in between you and them, but like if they're attacking your friend and you're within five feet of them, you basically just get to take a free swing at them. So it's not necessarily an attack of opportunity, but you're still basically getting a free swing. So, I mean, you can't beat that. And that's, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty, pretty good. If you ask me, it's yeah. I mean, especially you know, if you're playing, um, you know, kind of close to your allies in the in the thick of it, then you can make some enemies pay for picking on members of your party. Give them a little whack. Um, next thing I'm going to talk about is Shieldmaster. So Shieldmaster, if you take the attack action on your turn, you can use a bonus action to try to shove a creature within five feet of you with your shield. Um, so that's in addition to the attack, you can do it like a secondary attack to shove. If you aren't incapacitated, you can add your shield's uh, armor class bonus, which is plus two on just normal shields, to any dexterity saving throw you make against a spell or other harmful effect that targets only you. So let's say um, some evil, you know, enemy caster, enemy spell caster is using something on you and uh, Dungeon Master says, hey, roll a dexterity saving throw. Then with this feat, you can add your shield's armor class bonus to that, so making you even more likely to avoid the damage from that spell effect. And last thing on Shield Master is, if you're subjected to an effect that allows you to make a dexterity saving throw to take only half damage, you can use your reaction to take no damage if you succeed on the saving throw interposing your shield between yourself and the source of the effect. So like holding your shield against like the dragon's fire or like a fireball or something like that. So pretty cool. Um, Yeah. And this next one is kind of, to me, it's, it seems like it's more of like a flavor thing, but depending on your character, it could be very, you know, advantageous, uh, but it's Mm -hmm. called the tavern, tavern brawler. 
and it does a couple of things. One is uh, it increases your strength or constitution, so you get to pick. Uh, it increases it by one to a maximum of 20. And then you are proficient with improvised weapons and unarmed strikes. So improvised weapons could be anything basically that you that is not a named weapon in the in the handbook. Uh, so that would be like breaking the leg off of a chair or picking a plank up off the ground or like picking just a rock up. <laughs> um, it makes you proficient with it, so you get to add your proficiency with it. Uh, so that can, that can be helpful for, you know, quick scraps where maybe you get disarmed. Um, so then another thing it does is your unarmed strikes uh, uses a D4 for damage. So there, again, it's just kind of like, you know, you're used to brawling with your knuckles, and uh, that'll just help give you that little edge up if you um, don't have anything on hand, even an improvised weapon. And then the last thing it does is when you hit a creature with an unarmed strike or an improvised weapon on your turn, you can use a bonus action to attempt to grapple the target. So, you know, just as it says, just imagine like picking up a bottle off of the, you know, the table there in front of you, smashing it over their head. And then you get to like try and grapple them while they're like a little bit dazed. So, I mean, it's, it can be pretty fun and I can see it making some pretty interesting situations. Yeah. Like grabbing somebody by the, uh, the scruff of their collar. (laughs) Just get out of here. (laughs) Yeah, um, yeah. Tavern Brawler always, to me, feels like like a good flavor. Um, so, like if you kind of are the the bruiser of the group, um, just saying, monks, you don't need this because nope. your 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 unarmed strikes can do much more than D four for damage whenever you get to higher levels. So you just melt faces when you're a monk, but that's a different yeah. story. Yeah, one day maybe I'll play a monk. It'll be fun. Okay. Um, so next we're going to go into the, um, actually before, I guess before we leave the, the defensive one, Brady, which one's your favorite of the defensive ones we just talked about? Uh, I think mine would probably be Sentinel, um, yeah. Sentinel or Shieldmaster because it's that whole like imposing yourself between sources of damage and like helping mm-hmm. other people out. Cause that's kind of my, you know, flavor that I play with. So, um, uh, yeah. but I'd, I'd probably pick Sentinel. Yeah, Sentinel's Sentinel's so good. Um, it's just kind of broken um, in some ways. You know, it sometimes it doesn't always work, but whenever it works, gosh, it is such a bother. Uh, I think mine would have to be defensive duelist, and I think whenever I think of that one, yeah, that's um, pretty cool. One. Maybe playing a kind of a noble type character, an aristocrat who has had mm. you know practice with fencing and uh, wields a rapier, and um, can then at higher levels have some pretty, you know, boosted up AC. I uh, think that'd be pretty cool. Um, but yeah, that'd be a good one. Yeah. All right. So on to offensive focused feats. Uh, so like I said, there are eleven of these, and first one is Charger. So Charger, when you use your action to dash, um, and you got to make sure you read this correctly. When you use your action to dash so unfortunately rogues with your cunning action using dash to bonus with a bonus action no it's his action so um so when you use your action to dash you can use a bonus action to make one melee melee attack or 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 to shove a creature um so as you're like charging towards somebody you can take a swipe at them or like just just shove them away or shove them off of something like a bridge or you know a cliff that sort of thing 
And if you move at least 10 feet in a straight line immediately before taking this bonus action to uh, melee a weapon attack or shove, you either gain a plus 5 to the attack uh, damages roll if you choose to make a melee attack and hit, or you could push the target up to 10 feet away from you if you choose to shove and succeed on that shove. So this could be pretty cool, you know, just for kind of being a huge bruiser and just like, I always think, what is just it? Just literally the, charging on in. <laughs> yeah, the, the charger in, uh, what was it? Um, Left 4 Dead? Left 4 Dead, the video game. Just kind of comes through. <laughs> just like <laughs> picks up one member of the party and just carries them all the way across the map. He go. Uh, so pretty much exactly like that yeah so if you want to you know get into that whole uh, left for dead type of uh, (laughs) flavor go for that one but yeah that could be very very beneficial if you're if you've got the the build for it be pretty Mm -hmm. cool so this next one is going to be crossbow expert and I, i like to think of this one as kind of like i don't know sort of like the sneaky spy like being able to wield this thing and wield another thing, but we'll get into it. You'll, you'll see what I mean. So, um, one of the first things is you ignore the loading quality of crossbows, uh, with, with which you are proficient. So, uh, usually small hand crossbows and stuff like that. Yeah. You don't have to worry about the loading quality, but, um, kind of one of the bigger things is being within five feet of a hostile creature doesn't impose disadvantage on your ranged attack rolls, which is pretty big deal. And that's, you know, these, I could see a a rogue taking this to be able to just be like, and then just like spin around and whip his crossbow and just be like, you know, just, well, it doesn't make that, but I don't know. Makes (laughs) it, makes a noise, crossbow noise, (laughs) crossbow noise. And crossbow. (laughs) So, but, but that's a pretty good, pretty good thing for something like that. And then this last one, when you use the attack action and attack with a one headed weapon, so like some kind of one handed sword or, you know, mace or something like that, you can use a bonus action to attack with a loaded hand crossbow you are holding. So basically, again, like that rogue, think about it. They're sneaking in and they, you know, with their dagger, they jab, 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 and then they spin around and they, you know, shoot the dude that's like running up at them, you know. So kind of this like, Papa John Wick style, like, I did seriously consider taking crossbow expert for my rogue. Um, it was... It's a, it's a it's a nice you know fun one to pick in my opinion um if you can get your hands on a as a rogue on a hand crossbow um let's see so next one is dual wielder so you gain a plus one bonus to ac while you're wielding a separate melee weapon in each hand so kind of a defensive um bonus on this offensive feat um you can use two weapon fighting, even when use even when the one-handed weapons you are wielding aren't light. So typically, in order to use two weapon fighting, um, you have to have a a weapon that has the light um, label on it. But if you have this feat, you can pick up some other stuff, which could be really really deadly. Um, and finally, you can draw or stow two one-handed weapons when you would normally be able to draw or stow only one. So you can run into battle and just shring, you know, reach behind your back and pull both of your one-handed weapons. Pull a legless. Yeah. With his, his tw- uh, twin blades. Yeah. Super cool. Yep. 
That does sound pretty cool, especially that shwing. Yeah, that's, that's what it's like. That's what shwing. it's all about. <laughs> Shawing. Anyways, Grappler is this next one, and it's pretty much exactly how it sounds, but you do have to have the prerequisite. I could just not say that word on the first go. Prerequisite of strength 13 or higher, so you do have to have that. Um, And basically, you have advantage on attack rolls against a creature you are grappling. So, you know, you've got them all bound up. You've got advantage on them. And you can also use your action to try and pin a creature grappled by you. So to do so... Uh, you have to make another grapple check, and if you succeed, you and the creature are both restrained until the grapple ends. So basically, you just kind of lock them up, and you're holding on to them tight. Uh, and then the last thing it does is creatures that are one size larger than you don't automatically succeed on checks to escape your grapple. And that's just basically like, oh, you're good at, you know, like imagine a wrestler. Even if they're a little bit bigger than you, you know how to deal with them, and you're like, oh, got to be quicker than that. <laughs> Yeah, I could definitely see this feat being super beneficial if you kind of as a party end up doing a lot of uh, kind of leaving the last guy alive and either trying to knock him out or trying to grab him and hold him down to get info out of him. Um, you can yeah, take that him. is if you take prisoners. <laughs> yeah, if you take prisoners. Um, and you're definitely not going to take any prisoners with this next feat. Uh, nice segue. Um, which is Great Weapon nice. Master. Um, so Great Weapon Master, on your turn, when you score a critical hit with a melee weapon or reduce a creature to zero hit points with one, you can make one melee attack, or one melee weapon attack as a bonus action. So that just makes it to where, like, if you're just, like, you know, cutting enemies down and scoring critical hits or reducing, you know tiny enemies to like zero hit points it just adds another another weapon uh weapon attack as a bonus action uh to your stuff so it could be really really nice if you're a big hitter and also this next part before you make a melee weapon attack with a heavy weapon make sure heavy that you are proficient with you can choose to take a negative five penalty to the attack roll Um, if the attack hits you add a plus 10 to the attack's damage. Um, so this can be a pretty big deal, I mean, even at higher levels. Um, Great Weapon Master can be a big help, um, especially, um, what is it, uh, Barbarians. Is it Reckless Attack that gives you advantage? Um, I think Reckless yes. Attack gives you advantage on a, on your attack. So if you're a Barbarian and you take Great Weapon Master, I'd say you can probably feel pretty safe and pretty secure taking a negative five penalty to your attack roll if you're rolling with advantage you know much greater chance that you're going to you know end up being you know still hitting against their ac with that negative five penalty you just add on that plus yeah especially with your modifier yeah yeah Yeah. so if you might have a modifier that helps offset it yeah so if i ever play a barbarian probably gonna probably gonna lean towards a great weapon master just just like golf swing with a with great axe or something. <laughs> Swing. <laughs> Swing. Swing. Uh, so then the next one is going to be uh, the Martial Adept. And this one sounds confusing, but just bear with me. It's, it's not as confusing as it sounds. So whenever you take this, you learn two maneuvers of your choice from among those available to the Battlemaster archetype in the fighter class. And you can page on over to that um, in the player's handbook to get a full list of it. But basically, there are these maneuvers that allow you to do extra things like 
you can command um, other players when it's your turn. You can command them to do things uh, and allow them to make moves or do certain attacks or parry yeah, repost, you know, you things can, like, like that. Trip your enemies and like just push them back, you know, all cool little special like flavor stuff to your attacks that can be a rig- real big help. Yep. And uh, again, that's in the player's handbook under the fighters. But uh, if a maneuver you use requires your target to make a saving throw to resist the maneuver's effect, the saving throw DC equals eight plus your proficiency bonus plus your dexterity or strength modifier, your choice. Um, But you're asking, well, how do I do these? These require superiority die. The next thing is if you already have superiority die, you gain one more. Uh, Otherwise, so if you don't have superiority die and you're not a fighter uh with this um you have one superiority die which is a d6 so you you get one if you take this um this die is used used to fuel your maneuvers and um a superiority die is expended whenever you use it and you can read over that again in the fighters part but uh you regain it your uh expended d6 after a short or long rest so after you finish that it's just kind of like getting the hit dice back uh you just get one your one superiority die back. Yeah. Um, next one we're going to talk about is kind of situational. I guess you'd have to kind of weigh out if you ended up in mounted situations a lot, you know, or just if you rode an animal, like if you were a druid or something. Um, and that is the mounted combatant, uh, mounted combatant feet. And you have advantage on melee attack rolls against any unmounted creature that is smaller than your mount. You can in, you can force an attack targeted at your mount to target you instead. So a lot of times mounts can have much lower AC, uh, much lower health than you know whatever player character is riding them. So in this situation, you can make it target you and your beefy AC. And finally, if your mount is subjected to an effect that allows it to make a dexterity saving throw to only take half damage, it instead takes no damage if it succeeds on the saving throw, and only half damage if it fails. So it can be a nice um, you know, trade-off for protecting, preventing your mount from taking damage from a lot of different effects. Yep, and... Um be helpful i I did have a a player in one of my games once that did have that and because he was like this noble knight and he was always on his horse and he was always trying to get to like i ride my horse into the dungeon i'm like no you don't because (laughs) that's not how this works so you'll leave him outside so it's it can work in some situations others not as much but uh this next one was one that another one of my players took check out and made me so mad (laughs) Check out his horse. Um, but this next one is one that um, one of my players took, and it, as a DM, made me a little flustered. It's one of those kind of like, are you kidding me, feats? So, uh, but that's the polearm master. And uh, when you take the attack action and attack only with a glaive, halberd, or a quarterstaff, which those are like kind of like longer weapons, you can use a bonus action to make a melee attack with the opposite end of the weapon. And the weapon's damage die for this attack is a D4, and the attack deals bludgeoning damage. So basically, imagine like a spear or something like that. It's along the same lines. Uh, You're basically swinging it around, and you make your attack, and then you can use this to 
boop them with the other end basically. <laughs> um, but kind of, this is where one of the biggest things for me that caused a lot of problems was, um, while you're wielding a glaive halberd pike or quarterstaff, other creatures provoke an atto- opportunity attack from you when they enter your reach, just like normal. But, uh, I think like the halberd or the pike, I can't remember which one has a range of 15 feet. That's a long range trying to, especially if you're in like small dungeons and stuff and your creatures have to try and skirt around them. Like it takes up a big, big area. So you're going to be getting pretty much getting attacked no matter what. So uh, yeah. that's, that was the one reason that it was kind of not my favorite feat, but right. I mean, whatever he made it work. Not only that. So if you read closely that final part of that feat, they provoke an opportunity attack from you when they enter your reach. Typically, opportunity attacks only occur whenever they exit your reach. You know, they're kind of like turning tail and running. Um, you know, whether they use a disengage, you know, if they don't use it, then they would provoke an opportunity attack. But this is whenever they enter. So even if it, when it's not your turn, if they decide to come into the danger zone, you can smack them. So that's, that could be a little, yeah, little could be very annoying. With. Ranged attacks only. <laughs> Just shoot them, shoot them with archers. Um, next one uh, is Savage Attacker. And this one's pretty simple. Once per turn, when you roll damage for a melee weapon attack, you can re-roll the weapon's damage dice and use either total. So if you roll your damage dice and you get like, oh gosh, a bunch of ones, are you serious? Minimum damage? Roll that damage, uh, all the damage dice again. Maybe get some serious damage instead of a bunch of ones. So that can be really helpful. Making sure you're yes, always getting very helpful. Always getting big, big numbers. Come on, big numbers, big numbers, big numbers. No yeah. whammies, no whammies. Stop. No rookie numbers here. Um, yeah, you want playing in the big leagues. Pump those. Numbers but uh, this next one is very similar to the. Uh, great weapon mastery or a great weapon master. And this is the sharpshooter. And this is basically the equivalent of that for ranged attacks. So attacking at long range doesn't impose disadvantage on your ranged weapon attack rolls. So you can be pretty much beyond your upper limit and still not have disadvantage. So that, that can be pretty helpful. And then the big thing is your ranged weapon attacks ignore half cover and three quarters cover. Um, but really the kind of thing that makes it most similar to the great weapon mastery is, uh, before you make an attack with a ranged weapon, uh, that you're proficient with, you can choose to take a negative five or minus five penalty to the attack roll. But if the attack hits, you add plus 10 to the attack's damage. So again, it's that sort of risk reward, but if you have a good enough modifier and you have advantage on enough stuff, then, you know, it's, it might be worth it. Yeah. Um, and just to give you an example, so and it says attacking at long range doesn't uh, impose disadvantage on your range weapon attack rolls. So for a longbow, for instance, between the ranges of 150 feet and 600 feet, you would typically roll with disadvantage. Um, that's like your, your max range of 600. You would not get disadvantage on that if you took sharpshooter up to 600 feet it's ridiculous like there's if you're gonna, a long if you're way. ever going to encounter 
a like battle space in a round of combat that is 600 feet that's you're almost never going to encounter that much of a distance so you can just always roll no disadvantage um and being able to ignore cover super cool as you can tell i would definitely pick this one if i was playing any kind of range (laughs) um last one in the offensive feats is weapon master this one's eh, i don't know i guess i don't don't really think this one's as like you know tempting i think there's so many other feat choices so weapon master increase your strength or dexterity score by one to a maximum of 20 so you get a nice you know uh ability score increase and you gain proficiency with four weapons of your choice so if you were playing a character and you didn't have proficiency with a weapon that you're like, oh, I just want to wield this weapon. I just want to wield it. And it's not within your categories to wield, which I don't know. To me, it's, I mean, you may not even ever, you know, have need for it. I'd say most, most characters kind of are, you know, they've balanced it well enough to where, you know, rogue classes, the weapons that they're proficient with kind of fit with the with the rogue mentality but let's say that you're kind of bucking against the uh archetype and you want to use a different kind of weapon for that you don't have proficiency with this could be really nice yeah it's it's definitely more of a i could say more of like a flavor type yeah. thing Very but situ- it could situational. it could be situational yeah it could it could be it could be handy yeah you never know okay so Brady, which offensive feat is your favorite? Hmm, let me think just a second. Um, probably, as much as I hate to say it, I, I like the pole arm because I mean it is. It can be pretty handy. Yeah, if you were a min maxer. No, like, you know what? I'm going to change that. I'm going to change that. Savage okay. attacker. That's Savage a pretty attacker. good one. Savage attacker. Yeah, I mean it's it's always nice. You don't, you know, you rarely kind of have to live with a bad roll on damage damage rolls if you have savage attacker um and that's once per turn so you can just keep using it and never runs out it never you know doesn't have to be refreshed by any kind of rest or anything um i would probably go with sharpshooter um or great weapon master um like brady said they're essentially the same thing one's for melee and one's for sharpshooter except uh, unfortunately, Sharpshooter doesn't have that little bit about um, uh, about taking enemies down to zero hit points. So they kind of they took that one away and just made it to where you don't have disadvantage for your range. So I don't know. Ugh. Great Weapon Master is so nice. Um, it's yeah. a toughie. It's a yeah, toughie. It's a toughie. And I think ignoring those uh, those covers. So pretty much like. If unless the person is completely behind cover against your range attacks, I mean you're just gonna you're gonna be able to hit them pretty much just just the same as if they were out in the open. Yeah, and from a long way away. Oh yeah, <laughs> they're not even gonna know you're there whenever you hit them from six hundred feet away. <laughs> from we out there, we out there. All right, so I think that's gonna that's gonna do it for the feats. Like I said gonna break it up so part two be coming next yeah be coming up coming up next after this one uh but yeah that's that's gonna be it for today's episode on feats part one 
And uh, we hope that you've enjoyed it and found it informative. So if you don't care, please consider reviewing us. Uh, it would mean a lot, you know, on any of your podcasting listening forms. Uh, it would mean a lot, and we would really appreciate it. Uh, also, reach out to us and let us know if you have any questions or something you'd like to hear in a future episode or something that you would like us to cover a little bit more in depth that you may not have understood from one of our previous episodes. Just let us know. And one of the ways you can get a hold of us is uh, by emailing us at the vitamin D and D podcast at gmail.com. That's the vitamin D and D podcast at gmail.com. That's vitamin D, the letter in the <laughs> podcast at gmail.com. Almost forgot it. Uh, or you can check us out on all of our social media. So we've got Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and basically, if you just search for Vitamin D&D Podcast, again, that's Vitamin D, the letter N, D, Podcast, um, it should pop up. Uh, you can also Google that um, and or check out our website at the Vitamin D&D Podcast.wordpress.com. Uh, and don't forget to tell your friends and spread the word. Yeah. Uh, that's how we get this word out. And uh, we, we want to hear from y'all. And we want you to be spreading the word and getting it out there to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Real quick, going to interrupt you, and I'm going to plug. Go um, I for- totally forgot. I meant to plug during the uh, our last episode on leveling up. Uh, I got a new dice tower. Um, I guess I say a new. I got a dice tower. I hadn't didn't have one before that. Now I have one. Um, and the uh, guy who made it, his name is Sean Wills. And if you go on our social media, on our Instagram, I follow him. Um, with our social media and as well as my personal account. It's Will's Woodworking. He makes super nice stuff like DM screens, um, you know, dice trays, dice towers. Uh, super nice, super beautiful. Um, and I like it because it's super compact um, and it folds up like it's connected and held together with magnets. Uh, so it, it folds up and looks really nice looks really classy and so i yeah it looks real good i've seen pictures it's yeah, it's really nice i feel like it doesn't look out of place you know sitting on a nice mantle um so i'll try to uh this week at some point um post pictures of the uh the dice tower that he made for me so he uh he has a shop on etsy that's where i ordered mine so just check him out on social media so thanks yeah Sean. head over there and check it out and give him some love and Give him a yeah. shout out. Tell him, tell him who sent you. Whenever, uh, if you do decide to buy anything from him, that yeah. uh, just let us let us know too. If you buy anything from him, uh, you know, tag us on any of our social medias and let us let us see what you bought and yeah, just show say, it off. Flaunt it, flaunt it if you got it. Rolls, uh, rolls a lot of twenties. Okay, just uh, just so you know. Oh, then yeah, definitely. twenties on the old, old dice tower. <laughs> ooh, ooh, a lot of natural twenties over here. Oh. Oh. <laughs> but All right. Get us but out uh, yeah that's yeah so uh that's pretty much it so keep an eye on and ear out for our next episode where we will be talking about and finishing up feats part two and we'll be talking about those magical and utilitary type of feats and stuff like that yeah. uh, so tune in for that and other than that take it easy and we'll see you after your long rest 